In today's episode, 750 mils. Some computer users today are stuck using technology from the 1980s. We talk about why and how that's going to change soon. Well, hopefully. Then we talk about why some people who like silverback gorillas are making robotic silverback gorillas to spy on said silverback gorillas. Finally, how would you like to use your mind to control your phone, or your house, or your car? Well, we're going to talk about all of that along with today's underground culture-related secret link, feel-good featured track, and the last word on why attention to detail matters. That's all coming at you right now. This episode is brought to you by Love Good Fats. Tasty treats don't need to be unhealthy. Love Good Fats gives you delicious, low-sugar, low-carb protein bars and shakes that are keto-friendly, using responsibly sourced ingredients, making it just plain better for your health and the environment. Visit www.lovegoodfats.com and make sure to use coupon code 750ML4 when you decide to treat yourself to something good. Hello everyone, welcome to 750 Mills, the show that highlights the good stuff in the world today and points you to news, music, and all manner of genuinely useful, or at the very least, mildly interesting things. It's all meant to help you start off your day or your week by. Hey folks, hope you guys are doing alright, and I am glad to have you guys out here hanging out with me. My name is Andre, and we've got some good stuff for you today. We've got some new tech and some good news for visually impaired computer users, and what can robot baby gorillas tell us about real life? gorillas. Finally, remember what we talked about in the last episode, where a paralyzed man was able to walk again thanks to a mind-controlled robotic exoskeleton? Well, now we're going to talk about people putting brain implants on pigs, and why this ought to be something you should care about. All of that is coming at you right now. Folks, every year we see new versions of the stuff we own and use every day come out. I'm talking about computers. So you got your laptops, your tablets, and even mobile phones. That's right, mobile phones are essentially computers that fit in your pocket, and they just happen to have a nap that lets you make and take calls. Think about it. That's what they really are, aren't they? So, every year, you get newer, shinier versions of everything that's, I don't know, maybe 10% better than last year's versions? If we're talking about computers in general, it's usually at the same price, more or less. But when it comes to smartphones, you kinda, they tend to jack up the price almost every year. So there's a noticeable increase in price without a noticeable increase in what you get in return. Commensurate to what you pay for it. Nowadays, the newest top tier iPhone will cost you about a grand, while just a few years back you can get one of those for pretty much half that price. This is how consumer electronics, computers, and gadgets work. Every year they inch forward with small improvements in performance and whatever else minor improvements they can manage to throw in. This year though, researchers have developed something new and something big that's coming to computers, and a certain subset of users that are kinda left behind honestly when it comes to the latest and greatest tech that you and I take for granted. I'm talking about blind or the visually impaired computer users and the computers that they use. To interface with computers, visually impaired users use what's called refreshable braille displays. These are devices that connect to computers and use round-tipped pins raced through holes in its top surface. If you look them up on the internet, these are slab-shaped things, somewhere around 2 or 3 inches thick. Maybe it's wider, wider than a standard laptop. You can rest the laptop on most of these refreshable braille displays, and the bottom part of the device is usually where the braille pins are located, usually in a strip that's about the same width as the device. 
So that's where the pins pop up and down to form letters and sentences in Braille. So when some of the information that's displayed on the computer screen is translated into Braille, let's say a sentence or two that the user would like to read, the Braille display device will translate that text into Braille by popping up the pins to form a Braille sentence that the user can run his or her fingers across to read and consume that information. In the year 2020, visually impaired users are kind of stuck using technology developed in the 1980s to interface with the computers of today. Think of it this way. Imagine reading a big Wikipedia article on a screen that only shows you one sentence at a time. That's essentially the technology visually impaired users have available to them. Obviously, it's very limited, and information that's more complex than letters and words like charts and graphs and whatnot is next to impossible to represent using the current braille displays that's available to these users. Imagine this. An old-school Nokia 3310 from 20 years ago has more lines on the screen and can show more information than these things. So what's the good news? Well, this year, researchers from the California Institute of Technology have discovered a new physical property of polymers that could mean a huge leap in how much information visually impaired users can read, air quotes, with braille display devices. Now, first off, here's how the current old tech works, according to the report from inverse.com. Traditional refreshable braille displays use the piezoelectric effect, which works by using voltage to expand small crystals attached to a single braille dot in the display. As the crystal expands due to the voltage, the small dot races for the user to interact with. It can take as many as 8 dots to create a single letter using this display. Caltech's Rob Lursch says it's a complex process that's hard to scale. That's why it's so limiting. Now, here's the new tech that he hopes would solve this problem. The new tech would use a new form of electroactive polymers, or EAPs, in place of the traditional crystal. These EAPs contain a tangle of both positively and negatively charged polymers that when activated using an electric field, separate and spring back like cut rubber bands. This reaction causes the material to expand and push up dots in the braille display. Okay, so what's the benefit? This means that the new tech would require thousands of times less energy to operate than traditional braille displays, which makes them easier to build and scale. This could lead to the creation of higher resolution devices that can display more complex information like charts and graphs to users. Rob Lursch says that there's no good reason that we couldn't have braille displays that show as much information as dense as what you can get on a TV or iPhone. So this is great news for visually impaired users, and I hope that they get the results of this research sooner rather than later. This basically represents a generational leap in the technology that's available to them. And that's a big thing. Think of it this way. Imagine going from a rotary phone where you just hate people with any zeros in their phone number to using an iPhone 11 Pro. Old people, you know what I'm talking about. That's 40 years of technological progress in the blink of an eye. So to speak. Now, if you wanted to observe and learn as much as you can about animals out in the wild, what would be the best way to do it? For some people, the obvious answer would be to build robotic versions of the animals that they want to learn about and send them in to spy on the real ones. Because why not? Well, it stands to reason that having an ultra-lifelike version of an animal that can blend in and allow you to observe the real ones in their natural environment as undisturbed as possible, as close as possible, 
can give you some really good insights into how they behave and what life is like for these animals outside of human interaction and interference. It makes sense. So the filmmakers of the TV miniseries Spy in the Wild talked about what this involved and what they've learned about the animals, such as the silverback gorilla, when they talked about the process of building these robots and the observations they've gotten from putting them to use. The producers of the series themselves were actual biologists and zoologists, and they also enlisted the help of other scientists and experts when it came to building the animatronic replicas. So they worked with model makers from around the world closely to make the creatures look and act the way that would best suit the type of animal and the behavior that they hoped to get on film, which would ideally initiate a neutral or a friendly response. For example, for the gorillas, the eyes were extremely important. Mountain gorillas learn a lot from each other by staring into each other's eyes. So they designed the spy gorilla to be able to close and move his eyes so that when necessary, he could avert his gaze to show respect to the real gorillas. Artists also looked at dozens of videos and images of the animals in the wild to make them look as realistic as possible. It was also important to learn how animals move. They had professional animatronic engineers come out with them in the field to control the spy creatures to have them move in the most realistic way possible. So Matt Gordon, one of the producers, uh, continued saying that blinking, eye movement, and being able to move its arms and head were extremely important. So that involved dozens of servos and moving parts. Because the eyes are so important in guerrilla communication, getting a camera small enough to fit into the eye and blend in so beautifully so that it looked as natural as possible is no mean feat. So all this level of detail in my mind made it one of the hardest to build. So just how critical was it that they make the robot versions look and behave as realistic and as lifelike as possible? Matt cites one situation as an example. While filming a group of silverback gorillas, the alpha of the group told him to step back from the spy gorilla so that he could explore this newcomer. Once he was satisfied, he then allowed the others in the group to get closer. Then, they captured that interaction between the youngster and the spy gorilla. The spy gorilla allowed the filmmakers to get up close and personal with the group to capture never-before-seen footage of the gorilla singing, fighting, even farting in the jungles of Uganda. And in a related report from the Matador Network, they note that silverbacks consume a vegetarian diet of more than 44 pounds of plants. So, thanks to robotic baby gorilla spies, we have thus learned that real-life silverback gorillas turn out to be flatulent vegetarians. Who knew? Hey folks, just taking a quick break here to thank you for tuning in, as well as to let you know that the number of cool little extra things we have on the 750mls accounts on social media like Facebook and Twitter have been growing. So we've got 14 audiograms and counting, not including the ones for this episode, so make sure you check them out. If you'd like to support the show, the best way is to tell a friend or two about it and point them in this direction. If you think they'd like to have a regular dose of good news and interesting stories like what we talked about today, the audiograms are also a nice and easy way of doing just that. Just head on over to 750mls on Facebook or Twitter, pick out an audiogram that you like, and hit that share button so that you can help people not only find the podcast, but also get something good in their day in a nice and quick one or two minute dose. Another way you can help the podcast out is by checking out Love Good Fats, and you'll be helping yourself out as well. If you like tasty, delicious snack food, but you also want to stay healthy, you'll want to hear this. 
Love Good Fats gives you ridiculously delicious and healthy protein bars and shakes in a variety of flavors that are low sugar, low carbohydrate, and keto friendly. So check out these flavors. You got chocolate chip cookie dough, cookies and cream, chewy, nutty, dark chocolate and sea salt and almond, and you have chocolate and vanilla milkshakes. So these are just some of the many different flavors you have to choose from. Remember that these are low sugar, low carbohydrate options that don't skimp on the flavor. Don't just take my word for it though. Love Good Fats gives you award-winning, highly nutritious snacks that have been featured in places like Forbes magazine and Women's Health, using ingredients that are certified, responsibly sourced, and sustainable. And you also have gluten-free and plant-based options. So make sure you check out Love Good Fats on www.lovegoodfats.com. I'll put a link to them in this episode's show notes as well. And make sure you use the coupon code 750ML4 because you deserve better, healthier treats. How would you like to be able to control your smartphone, your house, or even your car with your mind? Believe it or not, it might not be too far off in the future before you can actually do this if Neuralink founder Elon Musk gets his way. Now, this guy's got his fingers in everything cool right now. Tesla makes the best cars in the world, he's taken tourists to outer space and planning on colonizing Mars with SpaceX, and now he's He's wanting to make cyborgs of us with this thing he's doing here. Elon Musk founded the Neuralink Corporation just four years ago in 2016, and they're focused on making brain-machine interfaces, or BMIs. These are things that'll give your mind the ability to connect to and control essentially anything with a computer in it. Now, we've already talked about a version of this technology in a previous episode of the podcast. If you remember Thibault, the paralyzed man who was able to walk again thanks to a robotic exoskeleton that he was able to control with his mind thanks to a couple of implants in his brain. So make sure you check it out if you haven't yet. It gives us a good idea of where we're coming from with this tech and shows us where we're headed with Neuralink's version. The reason we're talking about this is because just a few days ago, Neuralink went public with their website and a summer 2020 update slash press conference that was live streamed on YouTube where he revealed what they've been working on and on what Neuralink expects to be able to accomplish with everything they've come up with so far. The big thing about the Link, which is what they're naming their brain-machine interface device, by the way, is not only does it let your mind extend its influence and control other devices outside of your body, but it can also write data to your brain and treat it kind of like a super-powered hard drive in some sense. Now, what does this mean in practice? Well, it's useful in several ways. If a person is physically impaired, he or she can reacquire the ability to communicate better with messaging or even text-to-speech if his or her mind can directly interface with computers or even just a regular smartphone. Then, there's a future possibility of controlling devices that might be used to support mobility or mechanically restore some ability to move like a robotic exoskeleton that you can control with your mind if you've lost the ability to move your arms or legs to some degree, ergo thibault. It goes beyond that as well. Remember that the link can write data to your brain. So let's say you've lost the ability to sense, touch, or feel in some way. The link can potentially restore that ability by writing the relevant data to your brain if your nervous system has lost the ability to do that. Even more interesting is this. This also means there's some potential to be able to restore somebody's ability to see 
or here if they've lost those abilities, given enough research and development time. There's further applications for the potential of Neuralink's tech. Elon points out that people with neurological problems like memory loss, depression, insomnia, seizures, pain, addiction, and even brain damage stand to benefit from the link. One interesting way that he described the link is that it's kind of like a Fitbit in your skull. It tracks all manner of information going in and out of your brain and throughout your nervous system. Right now, fitness trackers and smartwatches can provide you with some useful but limited metrics, and they're not the most accurate. The link directly hooks up to your brain. Now imagine how much accurate data can be made available to you, which, by the way, you can access on an app on your phone. The link is Bluetooth enabled, so you can easily sync between that device and the app on your iPhone, for example. The device itself, well, the link, is 23 by 8 millimeters thick. That's about the size of a small coin and about a couple or so as thick. It connects to specific parts of your brain using ultrafine electrodes that are so small they can't be installed with a human hand. Neuralink developed their own surgical robot for this very reason. And you can also charge it inductively, almost kind of wirelessly, you just like put a device on top of it and it starts charging. And Elon says you can have more than one link implanted in your brain if you want. It's designed to be implanted and to sit flush with your skull. So if you never told anyone it was there, they would never know it. I also like how they actually included a spec sheet slide listing all the features and what have you. Even putting that it's got all day battery life, like it was an iPhone advert. That's kind of neat, I like that. They also stressed a couple of things. One, it's safe and they're constantly working on keeping it safe and making it safer with clinical trials and the whole nine yards. One issue with brain plants that we've covered in the past is that, depending on how these are implemented, there's a potential issue of developing infections or device failure or rejection. During the live stream, Elon pointed to an animal trial where a pig had a link implanted in it for two months, and it remained quite content and in good health, just as one without one. He also pointed out that it's completely reversible, so anyone who decides that after spending a couple of thousand dollars or so for each link that it's not something that they want after all, they can have it removed if they want to, and if they don't want to be so ultra-connected to everything. I mean, this is... it is genuinely incredible. The world of possibilities this can potentially open up is huge. Imagine having an accident, losing an eye, and getting an electronic replacement that you just plug in and use right away because you now have a way to make electronic equipment interface directly with your brain. Or you can get yourself an electronic eye with 10 times zoom or infrared vision or something if you want to. Because why not? Look at it this way. If you're a cyclist, you may not need to mount a GoPro on your helmet anymore. You already have your eyes for that. During the Q&A section of the live stream, there was a back and forth between Musk and some of those in attendance, and they even brought up the fact that you can interface with your Tesla, or even potentially save and replay memories directly, which makes me curious. I'm sure they've got the best and the brightest working on, working on all aspects of Neuralink, including device security, but how hackable would it be? I'm just imagining a hypothetical scenario here. Let's say I'm the leader of some country somewhere in the world, I've got a couple of Neuralink implants in my head, and then some kid in China can just hack into my brain and make me punch myself in the face for kicks while I'm in the middle of a press conference. In any case, I'm sure the people who make Norton or a vast antivirus will find a way to scare old people into paying $60 a year for premium brain virus scans and extra security. It's just the way it works, doesn't it? You scratch my back, I scratch yours. Anyway, it's time for this episode's featured track, 
something from 2004, a song called In Your Room by a band called Ariel. They're an American shoegaze band who described their music this way. It's loud, it's pretty, and you can dance to it. For this track, it's definitely pretty. If you're the daydreaming type of person and you want a soundtrack to go with it, this song should be on your list. And here's a fun fact. This song makes a couple of appearances in the comedy drama TV show Psych from a few years back. Those times being during a few dramatic, sentimental situations that would involve Sean Spencer and Detective O'Hara. So, direct links to Spotify and Apple Music will be in the show notes as usual. Make sure you give it a listen, yeah? That is it for this episode of 750 Mills. Make sure you head on over to 750ml.fm to check out links to stuff we've talked about here. And that includes the feature track that we just mentioned. And do you like photography? Would you appreciate a little bit of culture? Are you even remotely curious about the furthest ends of train lines that you ride but you've never actually gotten to? Ever? Then this episode's secret link is for you. That plus the stuff we mentioned in the show along with the links and extra stuff that go along with it are all in the show notes. So, so if you like cake, make sure you don't leave the icing out. Get your eyeballs over to 750ml.fm for this episode's extra cool bits. This is episode 8 by the way. You can subscribe and listen to the 750 Mills podcast on Podomatic.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Deezer. Just type in 750 ML podcast in the search box and tap on the follow button. Podcast is also available on YouTube if you like it better over there. Links to all of that will be in the show notes for this episode. Anyway, folks, thanks for hanging out with me. My name is Andre. This has been the 750 Mills Podcast, and I'll leave you with some last words from David Zinkzenko, a successful American publisher, a best-selling author, and a businessman, which deals with why the little things should matter to you in just about everything. Here's what he says. I learned the wisdom of requiring attention to detail. Our inner states are reflected in our outward appearances and vice versa. And if you can't remember to button your lapel and shine your shoes, how will you remember to check a gauge or cinch a knot that people's lives may depend on? Here in the civilian world, the same rule holds. If you can't manage your appearance, how can you be trusted by a boss to manage a department, by a woman to manage a romance, by a family to manage their lives and yours? If attention to one's appearance is vanity, then vanity is a man's secret weapon. Hope you all have a good day. Take care now. 